The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. Today we are going to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. It was an amazing, fun movie. I was amazed by the graphics in it. Amazing. I see what you did there. (laughs) Honestly, it was my favorite Spider-Man movie, either than maybe Into the Spider-Verse. I thought Far From Home was incredible and Tom Holland is amazing as Peter Parker. Very much agreed. If you have not seen this movie yet, just know there is going to be a lot of spoilers in this episode. So please watch the movie and then come back and listen. You have been warned. So this movie starts out after Avengers Endgame and is seemingly the end of Phase 3 or the beginning of Phase 4. I can't tell and I really don't know. But they now call the disappearance and the return of half of humanity blipping. Can we find some kind of mental health trauma symbolism in that idea? I think that a similar phenomenon happens to, for example, people who are deployed for a period of time, or maybe people who had been ill, for example, in a coma or had to spend a long time in the hospital, or perhaps individuals who are incarcerated or otherwise removed, forcibly perhaps removed from their family. And then when they return, it might be a really difficult adjustment because life has moved on without them and they have to figure out a way to adjust. For example, individuals who spend a long time being ill while they're in school might return maybe six months or a year later only to see their classmates having formed new friendships, having moved on, having graduated in addition to surviving the trauma of their illness, now having to have the trauma of feeling alone in their experience of maybe having to return to their previous school year and maybe having to repeat their studies and maybe not feeling like they fit in. Only, I think in this case, because blipping is something that happened to half of the planet, there are perhaps more people that understand what that's like. So it might be easier for people like Peter to find others to talk to about their experiences, whereas in real life, individuals who missed a part of their life, again, either due to trauma, deployment, injury, or other experiences might not often have people to talk to about this and might feel very much alone. The whole planet was kind of traumatized by this blipping event, and you see Peter And he's really struggling after Iron Man's death. It was very difficult for him. Tony Stark was sort of a father figure 
Not only did he lose Tony, but Tony passed down his legacy and the pressure of becoming the next Iron Man to Peter. That's a lot of pressure to put on a grieving teenager. How can this affect confidence and the struggle for his identity? Peter is already dealing with so much. As you mentioned, he's grieving because Tony was like a father figure to him. I think Peter really needs some time to grieve, to recover. And at the same time, he also just wants to be a teenager. He has spent several years of his life now being a superhero and risking his life to fight the forces of evil and being terrified and almost losing his life in the process, seeing multiple others die, including people he really loved and cared about. And he deserves a break. You see that when he's packing up to go on his school trip. He doesn't want to bring his uniform. Yeah, he's ghosting Nick Fury. I don't really want to talk to Nick answer Fury. Phone. Why? Because if you don't talk to him, then I have to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. Well, why don't you want to talk to him? Because I'm scared. Just answer the phone. You sent Nick Fury to voicemail? Yeah. You don't send Nick Fury to voicemail. Did you hear that? They're calling me. It's I gotta go. I you, gotta go. You gotta talk to him. I'm gonna call him. I promise you I'm gonna call him. I will. You do not ghost Nick Fury. I promise you. I'll call him. He's ghosting Nick Fury because he doesn't want to have anything to do with the Avengers, at least for a little while. He just wants a little break. And Aunt May keeps telling him to bring his uniform and forcibly packs it for him. And Fury keeps on calling him and dragging him back into the Avengers. And we see Peter, when he opens up to Mysterio, telling him that he just wants to be on this trip. He just wants to be a kid. He just wants to enjoy his school trip and talk to the girl that he likes. He wants to spend time with his friends and with MJ. I think that's fair. I just want to go on my trip with my friends. Europe doesn't really need a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I think the expectations that everyone is putting on Peter are too much. Just like anybody, I think, for example, a star athlete who might have their whole life wanted to become a star athlete might get burnt out and might need a little break from what they're doing, but might be pushed by their family members and coaches and teachers and other athletes to continue. And after a while, the very thing that that person might have wanted more than anything is no longer fun. It becomes something of a pressure, something that is even a cause of shame and distress, as in you either go all the way or you're not good enough. Peter Parker wanted to become a superhero and Avenger more than anything. We saw him fighting for that in the past. And now he just wants what anybody in his situation would want. He wants a break and he deserves it. You look really pretty. Therefore I have value? No. No, that's not what I meant at all. I was just... I'm messing with you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. You look pretty too. Oh my gosh, opera glasses. So cute. Can I... Want to go in on a pair? You mean let's sit next to each other? Yeah. Parker, are you in position? No. Okay, no. Why the hell you not? don't want to sit next to me here. No, you, you just don't want to take us. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I, uh, uh, if you go ahead, I'll go grab us a pair. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm coming. I'm. Absolutely. He wants to be a kid and... There is so much pressure on Peter. I mean, everywhere he looks, he sees memorials for Iron Man and 
Nick Fury's pressuring him and even suggesting that Tony made a mistake in choosing him to follow in his footsteps. All Peter wants to do is take a break, like you said, ask MJ out and be a kid for a little while longer. What does this say about placing too much pressure onto kids? I think it's a really good demonstration of how everybody, especially kids, deserve a break. Of how sometimes we might have too high expectations of people, especially of children. I know so many high schoolers whose parents, even during summer, are pushing them to study and continue to practice, whether it's their musical instruments or their sports, afraid as if their child would take a day off that somehow they will flunk out of school. And all the kids want is just a little bit of a break and just a chance to be a child. Yes, it does mean for that child to sometimes sleep until 12. And yes, it does mean for that child to just go out and be silly and play video games and hang out with their friends. And it doesn't all have to be productive because as important as productivity is, being a kid and being playful is just as important. I briefly mentioned that Peter wants to ask MJ out. And I think this film demonstrates wonderful examples of equality and the treatment of women, specifically through their relationships that they display. We even see the result of a very healthy breakup. Would you like to discuss the importance of representations like this? Absolutely. I think that we see really healthy treatment of women here in terms of both Peter and his friend Ned being really respectful toward the girls that they like and describing them not necessarily by their physical features but by their personality features such as the fact that they're smart and strong and intelligent women Mm -hmm. we see ned and betty enter a relationship and treating each other really kindly Instead of the stereotypical girl being in love with the boy and boy pretending to be in love, but actually clearly being weighted down by the commitment, we see both of them wanting the same thing. We see both of them wanting to be affectionate and loving with each other and wanting to spend time with one another. And take care of each other. They were so cute. They were adorable. And at the end, when the two of them broke up, there was no fighting. There was no bitterness, no resentment. They were still clearly friends and very kind and caring toward one another. I think that it really portrays a healthy demonstration of what a relationship could be. Absolutely. Let's talk about the villain in this movie. Stereo is a very interesting character. He distorts perceptions through illusions and things are not always what they seem. What is the psychology of perception and how can it be used to manipulate in real life? It's really interesting because our senses can be deceived. For example, when there is a loud sound, we have a natural orienting response, right? So we're going to naturally, for example, turn our heads, turn our attention, turn our vision toward where the loud sound is. And if there is a continuation of the sound or if there is some visual activity going on, we're going to further orient our attention toward what's going on and as a result we might not notice what might be going on on the other side this kind of a distraction effect is what 
for example, some pickpocketers might use, right? They might create a distraction on one side and on the other side, they might, for example, pick your pocket. Sleight of hand. Sleight of hand, of course. Our mind is actually really good at filling in the blanks. If something seems a little bit off, we might fill in the blanks. For example, when we first see Mysterio, we see him fighting some kind of a water monster. And although the picture is not completely clear about what's going on, our mind tends to fill in the blanks and try to see the full picture to try to make sense of what's going on. It's trying to essentially match a template based on what we've seen before, because this is the world where superheroes exist. And this is a world where monsters are real. It makes sense that for most observers out there, what they're seeing is something that maps onto their pre-existing template of a superhero fighting some kind of a monster. I think for a lot of people, it's not surprising when they're seeing that. What we learn is that the observers who fall prey to mysterious illusion are essentially watching a 4D movie with special effects, with drones who are taking down buildings and causing explosions. This kind of movie engages all the senses, and yet none of it is actually real. It uses kind of laser technology and projectors and mirrors and smoke, but actually it's... It's a very elaborate ruse. It's a very elaborate ruse, and it's all fictitious. What's really interesting is that we're more likely to believe something that we have had experience with in the past than we are to consider something new. So for individuals who have seen superheroes before, they're more likely to see this picture as another superhero fight. We're more likely to consider events as a repetition of an event we've seen before than to consider something new and out of the ordinary. Yes, we kind of see the reflection of that in today's society and how things are, you know, kind of pushed at us in this strange way. How can these distorted truths create fear, panic, and division in the masses, kind of like how we're seeing now? Well, as we saw in the very end, if people have stayed for the post credit scene. There are two, by the way. There are two post credit scenes. We see Mysterio's last hurrah giving up Peter Parker as the true identity of Spider-Man and lying to the world about him being the terrorist, about him being the villain behind these attacks. I think that we are seeing it not only in the modern world, we also saw it a lot in our history in terms of people creating mass panic by manipulating the truth by changing the event and making one event to one person seem villainous, seem to have really cruel intentions. And it doesn't take a lot. It takes maybe a little bit of creative, out of context editing to make people believe that a piece of video, for example, is evidence for something else when it might be completely out of context. I think that when we're afraid we might overlook any kind of evidence that might show us that the particular video or picture we're looking at might not be fully accurate. 
Absolutely. There's a moment where we see a student named Brad take a picture of Peter changing next to a woman who's actually making him a new suit. When he takes the picture, he threatens to use it to incriminate him with MJ. How does this reflect some of the bullying and blackmail situations that we see today? We see that in teenagers, but we also see it a lot in adults. We see that in major corporations and we see that in politicians and we see that in reporters in terms of using some kind of incriminating information as power. Unfortunately, this happens a lot in kids as well and it happens a lot to girls. For example, people using some kind of a video or a picture as a threat to coerce a young person, especially a girl, for example, to either engage in sexual activity or or something else that that person may be not wanting or unwilling to do for the threat of a particular picture or video being released. I think that it's so inappropriate and it's such a violation. I think whenever videos or pictures of, for example, celebrity sex tapes or nude pictures are being released, that people who watch those and share those are just as guilty as people who release those. Uh There are some great moments of true love and examples of friendship. How can this create a sense of duty and provide a path to heroism? Of course, this is Peter Parker's film. This is Spider-Man's film. And so we see the most heroism coming from him. But he's not the only hero that we see. His friends, Ned and MJ and Fury and Aunt May, they're all examples of other heroes who are also... And happy. And happy. Hey, sorry I'm late. Happy. You look nice. Thank you. You too. Thank you. New dress? Yes, it is. How'd you know? (laughs) What just happened? They're all examples of other heroes who step up to make sure that the world is protected. For Peter, of course, who at this point really does have the world on his shoulders, he has to make some really difficult choices and sacrifices. And once he realizes the mistake that he had made in trusting Mysterio with Edith, he makes the ultimate sacrifice of almost dying really to go after Mysterio to take Edith away from him to make sure that Mysterio doesn't succeed in his plan. I think that it is Peter's call to duty. It is Peter's dedication to protecting other people. I just want to spend some time with MJ. I think she really likes me, dude. That reminds me when I first fell in love. I had just finished my phone call. So nice to finally meet you, Spider-Man. You're Nick Fury. Put some clothes on. Let's go for a ride. Is he going to be okay like that? Might want to turn him over so he doesn't swallow his tongue. I think Nick Fury just hijacked our summer vacation. Awesome. We got gifts, Parker. But we have a job to do. Are you going to step up or not? Friends are in trouble. What are you going to do about it? 
him being not only the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, but the world Spider-Man that allows him to find the courage that he needs to protect the people that he loves and cares about and once again save the world. He is the worldwide Spider-Man now. International Spider-Man. Yes, and I can't wait to see what will happen in the next film because now that his identity is revealed and the world thinks that he's a villain, I'm wondering what will happen next. I know, that sounds like a good point to drop off here and just await the next movie. We really loved this movie. We really enjoyed it. We're going to go ahead and end this episode of Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett again. My name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or on Instagram, Dr. Janina Scarlett Official. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.